1 John 2.6 says, The one who says he abides or remains in him ought to walk in the way he walked, speaking of Jesus. And so as we continue in our series, Thriving by Abiding, we're going to continue to talk about the hard things that are required, that are part of what it means to walk the way he walked. Uh, if we are truly abiding in Jesus, we say, yep, that's us, we're, we're abiding in him, we're living our life in him and through him, we're allowing him to live his life in and through us, well, then there are certain things that are going to need to mark our lives and set us apart and show that we are, in fact, aligned with Jesus. There's things that are going to have to mark our character and uh, totally define our lives as it defined His life. And so we've talked about the fact that we are to love one another. And it's not just any kind of love we talked about. We said that those who are in Christ abiding in Him are actually called to love one another with the agape love, that unconditional love that we have received from Christ. We're to love each other that way. Last week we talked about the fact that we are to also forgive one another. And as hard as that is, and for some, it's incredibly hard to actually show forgiveness. But we we said that that's also what it means to walk as Christ walked. Ephesians 4.32 was our, our foundational text last week, and that says that we are to be kind, tender-hearted, and compassionate toward one, another, toward one another, forgiving one another, even as or just as God, through Christ, forgave you. That we're to forgive one another to the same extent that Jesus has forgiven us. And that's hard. And then today, as we continue on, we're going to be talking about the fact that we need to be putting others first. Putting others first. This is absolutely one of the hardest parts of walking like Christ walked because it is completely counterintuitive to us. And it's completely countercultural. But if we don't do this, then nothing else matters. Indeed, you can't love one another if you're not putting one another first. It doesn't happen. You can't do one without the other. You can't forgive someone else if you're not putting them first. If you're not willing to, to put them ahead of your own um, feeling wronged and your own hurt, then you're never going to forgive. So it all ties together. Loving one another, forgiving one another, all comes down to putting others first. And like these other things, incredibly hard for us to do in our own strength, in our own power, because it just goes against everything we are as human beings. Jesus, though, called us to do exactly that as his disciples, as his followers. And towards the end of his life, as he was preparing to go to the cross, uh, and he told his disciples, we're getting ready to go to Jerusalem, and just so you know what's going to happen there, as soon as we get into Jerusalem, things are going to start to come down. The clock's going to start ticking. I'm going to be handed over to the Jewish authorities. I'm going to be crucified 
but before I get crucified, I'm going to be tortured, I'm going to be abused, I'm going to be rejected by you. That's what's in store, and I want you to be prepared for it. And instead of really internalizing that and processing that and taking this opportunity to, to really just um, hang on every word that he would say and get their hearts right, instead of that, what we find them doing is arguing about who's going to be first and greatest in his kingdom. And James and John actually get their mother to come and ask Jesus if he could promise that they could sit one on his left and one on his right in the place of honor in glory. <laughs> I mean, that's what's on their mind. They just heard that their master, their friend, is going to go and be tortured and crucified. But what, what's on their mind? Their own glory. And the disciple, the other disciples hear this, and they, they let him have it. And then they just start all arguing together. Who do you think you are? If anybody's going to sit on his right hand, it's going to be me. Are you kidding? No, it's me. It's, it's locked up. And Jesus goes over and he says, guys, this is not how it's supposed to be with you. This is how people outside of me act. This isn't how you're supposed to act. This kind of thinking is not supposed to mark God's people. And then he says this, really drops the bomb on him, like he so often does. He says, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave. Just as, that's an important phrase, right? Just as the Son of Man, that's a, a, the messianic title of Christ. So just as I, he's saying, did not come to be served, even though that's exactly what should have happened, considering who Jesus was, who he is. But just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Wow. Talk about some awkwardness there, right? In that conversation. Church, the same is true for you and me today, the modern-day disciples of Jesus. Putting others first is the most Christ-like thing the Christian can do. There's a lot of Christ-like things we can do and should do, a lot of things. And there's lots of messages that can be and have been given on what it means to truly be Christ-like. But I, I really feel that the most Christ-like thing the Christian can do is to put others first. I really believe that. And the reason I think that's true and so important to remember and to apply is because that's what Jesus did. Jesus did that in everything He did. It was his dominant characteristic. You can look at all kinds of amazing attributes and characteristics of Jesus, right? I mean, there's so many wonderful things you can learn about him and read about him and discover about him. So many amazing characteristics that define his life and his ministry. But of all the, that he did, of all that he said, of all that he was, 
putting others first was supreme. And it was in everything he did, in everything he said, everything about him. This was what defined him more than any other thing, putting others first. And, and so therefore, for us as Christians, putting others first is the most Christ-like thing we can do. And in Philippians 2, verses 3 through 8, we see uh, the perfect picture, the most profound picture of putting others first, the way that Jesus did it. Here's what the Apostle Paul writes so powerfully, so beautifully, and yet um, with such a a great challenge and and with such conviction for us, uh, what he writes, Philippians 2, 3 through 8 says this, starting in verse 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, which is our default way of operating in life. Uh, That's what comes easy. That's what comes naturally to us all. In one way or another, doing things out of selfish ambition and conceit, that's easy. We don't have to be taught how to do that. You agree with that? But this is what is hard. This is what we do have to work on. And we do have to be taught, but in humility. So not out of selfish ambition, not out of conceit, rather in humility, lowering ourselves. Consider others as more important than yourselves. Wow, that's hard. I mean, that's like always being a polite and courteous driver. That's like living your life that way. And that may be harder for some, I hang my head in shame, than others. Maybe that's not a problem for you, but I'm just leveling with you. That can be a real problem for me. Um, drivers, other, other drivers. Um, I, uh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's something the Holy Spirit has to keep working on me with. Um, and that, that's kind of an, an idea for you to, to maybe apply to this concept here of thinking of others, considering others more important than yourself in humility rather than selfish ambition or conceit. I mean, it's like, it's like being a, a small-town, hometown driver as opposed to a New York City driver. That, that's what we're talking about here, living your life that way. Um, it's hard. It's hard. And verse 4, he continues, everyone, not just... Not just the the Christian who's been saved a long, long, long time. Everyone should look not to his own interests, which again is very easy for us. That's kind of default. But rather to the interests of others. To the well-being of other people. And this just doesn't come natural to us, does it? I mean, everything we just heard, all of that challenge, while we will agree with it, while we'll say, yep, that's right, that's what we need to do, it doesn't come natural to us. It just doesn't. But it is entirely possible. Just because it doesn't come natural to us, Similar to what we said when we were talking about loving one another and forgiving one another. We said, that doesn't come natural to us. That doesn't come easy to us. In fact, by ourselves, it's impossible. 
to, to live that way consistently. But that doesn't mean it's not possible, because it is. It's entirely possible to do this. If it, if it weren't entirely possible, God would not have put this in His inspired Word. Because God doesn't challenge us or command us with something that He does not also supply the power to do. Do you, do you believe that? I hope you do, because it's true. God will always give the ability, Christian, to do what He commands of you. Always. And that's the same thing here. This is entirely possible. And, and here's a, another thing about this. Everything is better when we do it. <laughs> Everything. When, when we, in those, in those precious moments, when we, when we actually do decide, you know what? I, I am going to abandon selfish ambition. I, I am going to say no to my own conceit. I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to consider others more important than myself. By God's power, I'm going to do it. And as we yield to the Spirit of God in us and, and we actually see that happen, you know as well as I do, things go better. I mean, and this is applicable across the board. Every type of relationship goes better when we act and live and work this way. Your marriage goes better when you and your spouse mutually live this way. Where you're considering one another is more important than yourself. Where, where you're looking out for each other's interest ahead of your own. I mean, that is just smooth. Right? All that tension and friction, it's not there when it, when it happens that way. Your relationship with your coworkers and your boss goes so much better when you decide to act and live that way, as rare as that might be. Your friendships, your communities, I mean, it just goes better. Think about how, how much different our, our political landscape would look if our leaders and politicians acted this way. I mean, wow, what a thought, right? This is just so applicable. Everything goes better when we determine we're going we're to be this way, we're going to proceed this way, we're going to act this way, but it's just not something we can do by ourselves. It's just not something we can do from any power reserve within ourselves. But that doesn't mean that it's impossible. Okay, Let's keep going. He, he raises the bar even more. All right, Be warned. Verse 5, Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. Oh, Paul, come on. Give me a break, right? I mean, it's hard enough for me to humble myself. It's hard enough for me to consider others as more important than myself. It's hard enough for me to, to look out not just for my own interests, but for the interests of others. Now you're raising the bar even more and tell me I've got to have the same attitude, the same mindset as that of Christ Jesus? And Paul would say, yep. Impossible for us. Impossible for us. Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. Impossible for us, but still possible again, or it wouldn't be here. It, we wouldn't be reading it if it weren't entirely possible. But adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. Verse 6 says, who existing in the form of God. And that, that means essence. That word form uh, in the Greek that Paul used here, he's talking about the, 
the essence, the, the internal nature, that not shape like we might think of form, you know, in, in, our, in our language and in our, our understanding. It's, it's about the essence of someone, what really makes them who they are, what they are. So who existing in the form of God, eternally existing in the form of God, eternally being completely divine, every bit as God, as the Father is, and as the Holy Spirit, who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God, which he had, which was his, equal with the Father, but he did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. In other words, he didn't consider the divinity that he had naturally that was his as something to be used selfishly. He didn't consider it something that he had to just grasp onto and hold tightly and not let go of. That he was not willing to, to let go of his divine privileges. It's not what he did. Look, verse 7 says this, Instead, instead he emptied himself by assuming the form, the nature of a servant. And literally that word is slave. And the best picture, I think, in all of the New Testament of just how low Jesus actually was willing to go, just how low he lowered himself, I think the best picture of all is that incredible, just striking image of Jesus washing his disciples' feet. I mean, there's not many things nastier than feet, don't you think? And some of you have got probably some really nasty feet. I mean, I don't know. You'd, I'd have to ask your family. But some, I mean, feet are just nasty, right? And especially in this day, especially in this time, in that culture. I mean, they didn't have closed-toed shoes, people. They were walking around in the dirt, on the streets, where animals were, doing animal things. You, you know what I mean? I mean, just gross. I mean, all sorts of nastiness there. And yet, at the Last Supper, Jesus, knowing His time was coming to an end, He got up from supper and knelt down with a basin of water and grabbed those awful feet of His disciples and started washing them. I mean, think about that. The One who made water washing his disciples' feet. It's incredible. The greatest example of humility. I mean, just, just see the majesty of our Savior's humility. See the majesty in our Savior's humility because that's what is on display. Not through Jesus grasping on without letting go of His divinity, which was His right to do, but instead His majesty, His glory comes through so powerfully in His humility in the fact that He was willing to let go of all that was naturally His by rights. And He, he took on to His divinity humanity, and not just any humanity, but slave-like humanity. 
So verse 7 continues, he, he assumed the form of a slave, taking on the likeness of humanity. Even though he never stopped being God, he added to his divinity humanity. And when he had come as a man, oh my goodness, church, just think about it. Think about it. God coming to us instead of demanding that we come up to him because he knew we could never do that. We could never come up to him on our own in our sinful state. We could never reach God, no matter how hard we tried. So He came down to us. You know, just last month, it's hard to believe that it's, it's already been over a month since Christmas, but, you know, you heard um, a lot of, and, and I think we sang it here, uh, that very familiar song, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, right? That's a very familiar song. And there's one line in particular in Hark the Herald Angels Sing that I love. I love this line because and it, so, it so captures and, and just has in it wrapped up the, the magnitude of what it means that He, Jesus, came down to us and took on humanity. The line says, Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity, pleased as man with men to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. And that is a truth to celebrate every day, all year long, church. That is not something we should just limit to Christmas time. That's the magnitude of what is being expressed here. When he had come as a man. What did he do with that humility or humanity? He he took on humility. Verse 8 tells us he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. That is what our Creator, the King of all the universe, did with coming to earth. That's what He did with His humanity. He could have taken on humanity and then demanded to be worshipped, demanded to be served, demanded to receive glory, that He could have done that. That would have been fine. That would have been within His rights. But instead, with His humanity, He served. With His humanity, He humbled Himself. Constantly. Constantly put others first. Ahead of Himself. Ahead of His agenda. Ahead of even His desire. Consideration of others is what we're called to. And consideration of others, as we saw at the beginning of of Philippians here. Consideration of others starts in the mind. It starts in the mind. But, hear me on this, it can't stay there. Consideration of others starts in the mind. It's about the mindset. It is about considering others as more important than yourself. It's about determining intentionally to look out for other people's interests more than your own, or, or before your own. And, and that's a, a mindset. And so it, it has to start with the mind, but it cannot stay there. Consideration must translate to action. Consideration must translate to action. And here's what 
that looks like. Here, here's another example from Scripture of what that looks like, what that means. For the consideration of others that starts in the mind to translate into action with our, you know, with, with our hands and our feet and actually doing something with that. Actually showing and living out with others that we, we are considering them ahead of ourselves. Here's what Galatians 6.2 says. Carry one another's burdens. Carry one another's burdens. In this way, or if you do that, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Carry or bear one another's burdens. And this is another thing that is really, really hard. Because we all have our burdens, right? Every day, all our life, we've all got our burdens that we bear, and some of them are monster-sized, super-sized burdens that we bear. You've got your burdens, and they are real to you, and they are powerful to you, and they're a problem for you. And I've got burdens that are real and powerful and a problem for me, and and the reason that it is so hard to, to bear one another's burdens and to carry one another's burdens is because our own burdens often loom just so large before us. And humanly, our perspective is many, many times limited to our own burdens that we, we just don't see past it. All we're wrapped up in is our own burdens. And so actually looking beyond our own burdens and being willing to and then actually doing something about carrying someone else's burden? Like I've said all along today and through this series, it just doesn't come naturally. What comes naturally is to to bear our own burden and many times not to do it well and to be completely wrapped up in that. But what we're told to do and called to do is to carry or bear one another's burdens. And in so doing, we fulfill the law of Christ. So what it means is, in the power of the Spirit, and it's the only way this is going to happen, like loving one another, like forgiving one another, the only way this is going to happen is in the power of the Spirit to come alongside someone else, my fellow brother, my fellow sister, and say, man, I, I know you're burdened right now. I know you're carrying a great burden. How can I come alongside you? How, how can I help you carry this? Or maybe it's you don't know what someone else is bearing, but it means you are intentional enough about your relationship with your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. You get down in the dirt with them where they are enough where you can say, Tell me, tell me about the burden you're bearing. I, I really want to know, what are you carrying, carrying right now in your life, and, and how can I help you carry it? It's being enough, having enough awareness and, and being intentional enough to do that continually, all the time. And them doing that with you. It's mutual. It's, it's all of us together determining individually I am going to love my brother and sister 
so much that I am willing to, despite the fact that I have my own burden, I'm going to trudge and drudge up enough strength to come alongside them and help them with theirs. And then they're doing the same thing with you. You see that picture? That beautiful mutual burden bearing that's supposed to happen? And it requires humility. And it requires servanthood. You see, we can't put others first without being humble. We can't put others first without serving them. It goes together. Putting others first requires humility. Putting others first requires a servant's heart. It all just, it all fits, it all connects. Burden bearing, burden carrying. Bigger than you, bigger than me, burden bearing is all about we. It's bigger than you, it's bigger than me. It's all about we. It's about you and me together bearing one another's burdens. And as we're doing that, we're going to live out and we're going to picture what Jesus himself did for us because he carried the greatest burden ever, ever of anyone in bearing your sin and my sin up to the cross. How can we then, Christian, the followers of Christ, not turn and do the same thing to our fellow brothers and sisters? We can't. It's absolutely the way we're supposed to live. But we just can't do it on our own. We can't even do it with one another's help. I mean, that's part of it. But the help that we need, the help that we have to depend on, comes ultimately from the Spirit of God within us. He's the only one that's going to power that, that type of living. And like I have done the last couple weeks, I want to leave you with a couple very important personal questions. As you've heard all this, as we've talked about all this, some personal questions that are really, really important to consider in light of everything we've talked about today, about putting others first and what that looks like, what that calls for. The question, first question I have is, in what ways do you need to do better in this, in putting others first, in considering others more important than yourself, in carrying one another's burdens, not just your own? In what ways do you personally need to do better? And I ask the same of myself, okay? I'm asking me that same question. And, and we have to ask the Holy Spirit to search our hearts, to search our minds, to search our lives, and just to be that great spotlight that He is, and to reveal to us the ways He knows that we need to do better in this. So that's the first question. And then right along with that, more specific though, who does God want you to do some burden-bearing for? Who, specifically, personally, does God want you, personally, to do some burden-bearing for? And again, this is going to require you really being um, alone with and intentional with the Spirit of God and saying, Spirit of God, please, Holy Spirit, please tell me 
reveal to me and give me, give me the, the ears to hear what you're saying. Who is it? Who, who specifically do you want me? Do you desire me to go and come alongside of and bear the burden for? What, the, the burden that they're bearing. Who do you want me to come alongside? Who do you want to equip me to come alongside and serve by, by helping them bear the burden they're bearing? I don't want them to do it alone. And church, just, just picture with me for a minute if we all, I mean, every occupied chair, every person that says this is their church home, yeah, I'm part of Faith Baptist family, if every one of us had this mindset, if we were this intentional, if we desired this and we went to God and we each with all sincerity said these things, asked Him to do this work in our heart, asked Him to reveal these things to us, and then asked Him to empower us to go out and do it and to act in it, how beautiful, how much stronger, how much more powerful, how much more impactful, how much more of a thriving church we would be. Isn't it amazing to think about the levels we would reach in our Christ-likeness, the levels we would reach in our walking as Christ walked, the level of thriving we would know, not for our own glory or, or conceit, but rather for the glory of our Savior. It's possible. It's possible. It's within our reach. But we each individually have to decide this is important. This is a priority. I am going to do this. By the power of God in me, I will do this. And as individuals do it, then we'll find that our church as a whole is doing it. That's what God desires of us. It's what I hope you desire. It's certainly what I desire. So let's do it. Let's do it. And uh, let's go ahead and right now seek the help of the one that we need to do it. All right? Holy Spirit, we need your power. We need your help. This, this part of the journey of walking the way Christ walked, this part of what it means to be people who truly are abiding in Jesus, living the way He lives, This is perhaps the most difficult of what we've talked about so far. Putting others first in every way. You know, Holy Spirit, that it just does not come naturally to any of us. It doesn't come easy. And yet, it's required. And yet, it's what you've called us to do. And yet, it's in your Word. Help us to really believe that you don't put anything in your Word, you don't call us to do anything that you don't also provide the power to do. Help us to really believe that. And then, secondly, Holy Spirit, please, please, empower us to yield to your power. Because we can't even, on our own strength, consistently choose to yield to you. 
We're just that weak. So please, give us the power we need to get out of the way and surrender to Your power so that we can live this way. And so that we can live like like what we've talked about the other weeks. Loving one another the way Christ loves us. Forgiving one another the way Christ has forgiven us. And now, empower us please to put others first the way Jesus always puts us first. Help us to bear one another's burdens well. Because then and only then will we really be fulfilling or applying the law and the love of Christ, of everything He is, everything He did. May that mark us. May putting others first, bearing one another's burdens, may that define our lives supremely the way it defined Jesus' earthly life supremely. Help us in this, I pray, individually and corporately as a church body. It's in Jesus' name I pray and for His namesake. Amen.